All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Happy Monday to all. Thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Yeah, it's a real crisis and getting worse at the border. Uh, It looks like Andrew Cuomo's days are numbered. We will uh, give you the very latest on what's going on in the great, high-taxed United States utopia state of New York. Uh, We have a lot of COVID updates. And we also have this. You know, we now have, and all of this we tried to warn everybody about, Biden is now eyeing what will be the first major tax hike since 1993 as part of his next economic plan. This is on top of the $1.9 trillion. This, Remember, we have two more trillion they're planning on spending for the new Green Deal socialism madness. and But the next initiative... Uh, which is expected to be even bigger, won't just rely on government debt as a funding source. No, this is going to be the largest tax increase in probably 20, 25 years. And how it's going to be paid for, huh, they're going to they're gonna rob us more blind, as if we're not paying enough. Uh, anyway, so now even key advisors are now preparing you know, a package that would include a massive increase in the corporate tax. Let me just remind everybody, too, corporations don't pay taxes. What do you mean, Hannity? Of course they pay taxes. No, they pass the tax on to we, the people. Whatever goods or services you might be purchasing, you end up usually bearing the brunt of paying the corporate tax increase. And individual rates will go up. They say for high earners, if you make 10 cents, you're a high earner, apparently. Depends what the definition is. And anyway, each tax, quote, break, credit, et cetera, it is going to be an unmitigated disaster. They want to raise the corporate tax rate. Now, on top of all the burdensome regulations, on top of now the cost of every business in this country, if you looked at the price of gasoline at your pump, in New York, it's now we're back to four bucks. It went from like the lowest we'd ever been paying to, you know, back to the high numbers that we had in the Obama years again, on top of the national security implications of no longer being energy independent. We're going to be importing our energy, the lifeblood of the world's economy, and we're going to be paying more for it. And the beneficiaries will be a lot of countries that hate our guts, starting with Putin and Russia. And the Iranian mullahs, Middle Eastern countries that hate us. And yeah, China is going to be doing a hell of a lot better, too. So all of this now is is this is the next level of this socialist utopia madness. Corporate rate up 7 percent from to 28 percent from 21. They're going to get rid of, quote, what they call tax preferences that so-called pass through businesses, limited liability companies, partnerships, et cetera. Or as the New York Times says, if it's my company, it's a shell company. It's called a LLC. They actually have names. Anyway, raise the income tax rates on you, we, the American people. Expand the estate tax. I, I, I mean, th- this one drives me crazy. You work your whole life. You pay all your taxes. You obey the laws. You pay your taxes. And now they come back with, now, if you invest money and you make money, they take another bite of the apple. That would be capital gains. And then when you drop dead, then they're going to take 40%. If you live in New York State, they get another 10%. This is all money you've paid taxes on already. 
And then if you live in New York City, I believe they even have they their own piece of the action that they get. So now we're going to basically confiscate people's wealth, which disincentivizes people from saving, which encourages people to hide their money. Look, as you see this mass exodus from New York, New York, New Jersey and California and all these other liberal states to states like Texas, red states, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida, et cetera. You see, well, what, why are people leaving? Because it is it is financially much better, a, a much better business environment for people. They're getting to keep more of their hard earned money. And this higher capital gains tax rate for individuals, you know, whatever the whatever the number is that they they say, it's only for the rich. Well, the top 1% pay 70% of the taxes now. The bottom 50% of wage earners pay nothing. They don't pay any income tax, none whatsoever. And there's just no and. Well, how else did you think you were going to fund Bernie Sanders and AOC's new Green Deal? This, this is how they, this is what they're doing. This is what they're planning. This is what our future is. And even Bloomberg recognizes the biggest major tax hike in this country since 1993 that's not going to be good by the way california their covid relief is going to be used for teacher bonuses and vacations to hawaii how do we know actually discuss the covid money for teachers bonuses and encouraging trips to hawaii I'm like oh let me take a free trip to hawaii even though i'm barely working from home um you got one chicago alderman wanting to use covid money to try out universal basic income gas prices going through the roof that means every single thing we buy is going to cost more. It's going to cost more to get it from trucks into your store. It's going to cost more to manufacture. It is going to cost more for you to fill up your tank and your car. It's going to cost more to heat your home and cool your home. That's another tax, if you will. Thank you, Joe Biden. Thank you, Bernie Sanders. Thank you, the squad. And thank you, every radical socialist. It's pretty unbelievable. But that's where we are. First major tax hike since 1993. Now, there's, an, there's another interesting provision that I don't think many people are going to pay attention to, but we, we better pay attention to these little things. People that didn't pay a whole lot of attention, it's kind of like, well, if it's not affecting me, why should I care? Well, if it comes to the energy sector, you better care because, look, by by demolishing the energy sector, the sector, the way that Biden is now doing it. Now, the first casualties of this are the guys working on the Keystone XL pipeline. The next casualty in this is is all of these companies and the people that they'd hire and the investment that they were all planning to make in Anwar. The next casualty is the Dakota pipeline, because all of the Hollywood donors to all things Democrat, they they want that pipeline and every pipeline shut down. And they don't seem to care how many hardworking Americans in the energy sector with highly skilled and skill specific jobs end up getting pink slips. They don't care about the national security implications. They don't care. Americans will be out of work. They have plenty. What do they care and the net result is national security. Okay, now we're dependent on other countries. Well, when you're energy independent, you don't really need to involve yourself in as many foreign conflicts for the free flow of oil at market prices. Anyway, so they have its, um, if you look at what 
protecting the right to organize act of 2021 is and what it could do if it's signed into law. It's protecting the right. PRO was what it's called. Pro Act passed by the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi's house last month, endorsed by Biden this week. It could obliterate untold millions. Western Journal estimated as high as 57 million jobs because that's how many Americans are independent contractors or freelancing. By the way, a lot of people like freelancing because they make more money freelancing. They get more per hour freelancing. Then they have more freedom freelancing. And and then many, many businesses, I don't care if you're in the construction business and the computer business of some type, okay, you take out certain contract work and I'm sure there's going to be some ways around it, but they're trying, to, they're trying to make it all go away. The aim of the legislation basically is to stop employers or force employers is probably a better way to put it um, because a lot of companies will hire people temporarily or hire people for specific projects and they don't refer to them as employees because they're not employees. They're not hiring them full time. But now they're going to have to classify them as full time if they want them to do the work. And the problem with that is now you're going to effectively, the net result of that is they're not going to hire independent contractors. And that doesn't mean they're just going to replace it with, with full-time workers either. And it just prevent again, it's another burdensome regulation put on business. And they will redefine what it means to be an independent contractor or one that does freelance work. They'll make it so narrow that any company can only provide a, a with, with freelance services outside of the normal purview. This was in the Western Journal. For example, Uber is a driving company. It couldn't hire drivers as freelancers. They'd have to say, okay, you're an employee. Okay, well, what does that mean? Do you have to have a guaranteed, now we have the minimum wage requirements? What if the guy's not driving? What if he's not working? Uber drivers usually get paid based on the jobs that they do. That's how they get paid. They work, they get paid. A lot of people like the freedom of being an Uber driver because they, they work in their spare time, the hours that work best for them. So if they wanted, they, they can't hire freelancers, well, that's going to blow up that business. Independent contractors will have to be classified as employees unless, quote, their work is performed outside the usual course of the business employer. Okay, they use an example in, in this piece I'm reading from of journalism where the requirement, quote, is impossible to satisfy for writers who create the product for the publications that publish in the usual court of, of, uh, course of their business. Well, there are a lot of freelance reporters and a lot of freelance writers out there, and they like freelancing because then they get to they get to work with a number of different publishers and then they get paid for the particular piece that they're doing or they get contracted out. Why don't you do a story on this? We'd like to run it. I mean, that's not going to, you know, I'm, t- I'm just telling you, none of this is good. None of it is going to end up well. And all of this is just stifling slowly but sure it's putting a stranglehold a chokehold on business growth manufacturers growth on in on every single level. we're going to tax more have less money higher gas prices higher heating prices higher manufacturing prices higher cooling prices all of that and now you now you're adding insult to injury here because now the, the, the people in the energy sector are out of work. Now they've got to compete with all these illegal immigrants crossing the border, 100,000 in February alone. 100,000. 
And then on top of that, then you've got people in the energy sector. Oh, we want you to get another high paying union job. They're not available. So now they're going to force business and say, if anybody works for you, they can't be an independent contractor. Well, they're not going to hire those people in the numbers that you think they're going to hire them. And that's going to be bad for every industry, every single American. Oh, you got to love this. If you live in the United Socialist Utopia of New York, New York State Legislature is proposing a $7 billion in new and increased taxes on, quote, wealthy New Yorkers and businesses. Now, this is on top of a fortune that they're going to be getting from Joe Biden and part of as part of this blue state bailout. And, and, and by the way, every, all of you should know. If you live in a red state, you voted for responsible legislatures and governors, and guess what? Your money is going to be used to bail out states that continue to elect high-tax, high-spend, budget-busting liberal Democrats that, that can't balance and don't balance their budgets and that don't fund their pensions. You have squad member Congresswoman Presley pushing cancellation of all rent and mortgage payments for 12 months. Okay, and who's going to take the hit for that? The banks, the more the people that live, you know, if you take out a loan, you take out, you're expected to pay it back. So you're supposed to do. It's unbelievable. And but that that is the liberal mindset of today. So in New York is seven billion. You have this massive bailout now for New York is is now making its way in California now making its way. Uh, Cuomo has even more issues. <laughs> the Associated Press was mocked for reporting the GOP have seized on Cuomo's scandals to distract from Biden's greatness. I mean, that that's how sick and corrupt your media mob is. Um, you've got the impeachment probe of Cuomo now will apparently, according to the New York Post, it could very well include the nursing home and the bridge scandals, the Mario Cuomo bridge. That's Andrew Cuomo's father, who was governor for three terms. And the committee is working with outside counsel on both of those issues. Then you've got Democrats complaining that Cuomo demanded loyalty in exchange of the COVID vaccine. That's the latest charge being made against Andrew Cuomo. The vaccine czar called county officials over the past two weeks to gauge their loyalty to Andrew Cuomo. Washington Post reporting yesterday, top officials in the state, you know, he's a subject of these investigations and impeachment inquiry. Uh, and uh, they're basically saying, well, you're supporting the governor? Uh, how many vaccines you need? That's what it sounds like to me. That's how I read it from the Hill. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, so Cuomo's saying he's never going to resign. Uh, going to get a ton of money in a blue state bailout that you're all going to be paying for. It's going to be a fortune. That much I can tell you. Um, he, Joe Biden is finally, we've, we've yet to hear from the biggest I believer of them all, Kamala Harris yet, but Joe Biden talked about Cuomo's problems. Now, Joe Biden has two women out there himself, Lucy Flores and Tara Reid, and he's never really been held accountable himself on this issue. It will be interesting if the next logical question, which would be, well, you were accused by Tara Reid this, you were accused Lucy Flores this. How do you respond to that? Um, but he broke his silence. And uh, anyway, longtime Cuomo acquaintance finally addressed it. 
And uh, anyway, he said when asked whether he agreed the Democrats calling for his immediate resignation, he said, I think the investigation is underway. We We should see what it brings us. What a very different tone than I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But with Senators Christian Gillibrand, Chucky Schumer, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez and Jerry Nadler on Friday calling for Cuomo to step aside. Biden-Harris refused to do that as uh, this now begins to get quite loud. Comrade de Blasio, longtime nemesis of Cuomo, says that uh, Cuomo is in the way of saving lives by refusing to resign. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Cuomo staffers apparently, stories out today, they stopped showing up to work completely. Apparently they're disillusioned. Apparently, according to some reports that are out today, people aren't coming to work. The offices at the Capitol are empty, said one well-placed insider, according to the New York Post. He'll fight and fight, but the staffers I've talked to are ready for him to hang it up. Everyone feels like there's an inevitable conclusion. At some point, Biden will call on him to step down. Then we have the issue of his, you know, his former wife or the, the, the he used to be married to a Kennedy, Kerry Kennedy. And uh, according to the biographer, near the end of the marriage, Andrew Cuomo, Kerry, Kerry Kennedy slept in a locked bathroom. I don't know if any of that's true. I have no idea. Uh, there were allegations of her infidelity, if I recall at the time. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens on this. But what took so long for, I believe, her Joe Biden? You know, Qu- Cuomo accuser is ripped into Biden and Harris. Literally, I'm being harassed because Biden and Kamala are supporting it with their silence. Cuomo's vaccine czar becomes the political operative in an effort to salvage what is now a mess here on all parts. Nancy Pelosi, another I Believer caucus member, she declined to call on Cuomo to resign. He said, I have zero. I said there's zero tolerance for sexual harassment. We have taken measures in the House of Representatives, she goes on to say. I said there's zero uh, tolerance for sexual harassment and we have taken measures uh, in the house of representative very strong measures in the house under leadership of congresswoman jackie spear uh, of california uh the uh, what i said at the time that these uh, revelations came forward i said uh the, the, what these women have said uh, must be treated with respect they are credible and serious charges can he but be again, an effective no, leader now no, no tolerance no tolerance, and this is a subject very near and dear to my heart. This is no tolerance for sexual harassment. Let the world know that. But you're not calling on him to resign right now? I, I think we should see the results of the event, but he may decide. And there was, hopefully this result will be soon. Uh, and uh, what I'm saying is the governor should look inside his heart. He loves New York to see if, uh, if he can govern effectively. Yeah, very different than I believe, I believe, I believe. We want to hear Biden flipping and flopping and flailing on this? Listen. How about the last hearing? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's it, what we haven't. There's so much more work to do to figure out how the, the one important thing I know is. And if there's anything in terms of mindset of, of Supreme Court hearings and those kinds of circumstances, Supreme Court hearing is not a trial. It's a job interview. Mm-hmm. It's a job interview. And you don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt anything as to why you shouldn't put so-and-so on the court. 
Mr. President, do you think Governor Andrew Cuomo should resign? I think the investigation is underway and we should see what it brings us. They all sound like Sean Hannity's now. Due process, presumption of innocence. If you go back, Cuomo himself, Kavanaugh's confirmation will haunt us. We all, we believe all survivors. Andrew Cuomo. Just taking your little flashback zone here. De Blasio Cuomo is literally in the way of us saving lives because he's busy dealing with all of these controversies. When asked if he thought that Cuomo would resign, I think he will try to hold out. I think he was trying to get uh, things his way. It's been almost an imperial governorship. He wants them gone. He's always They've always hated each other. Cuomo's staffers not showing up. Um, but it's kind of interesting that they are looking to include the nursing home and bridge scandals as part of the impeachment that now the Democratic Assembly leader says they support. Just like the most powerful Democrat in Albany right now is the Senate Majority Leader. Another one that said he should resign. And now this other scandal, this is not a small issue. It was covered in the Hill. You got New York's vaccine czar called county officials apparently over the last two weeks, the Hill is reporting, to gauge their loyalty to Governor Cuomo. It's also in the Washington Post. The state's top official is the subject of an investigation and impeachment inquiry. For allegations of sexual harassment, one Democratic County official telling the Post that they got so unsettled by a call from Larry Schwartz, head of the New York vaccine rollout, that they filed a notice of an impending ethics complaint with the Public Integrity Unit of the State Attorney General's office. At best, it was inappropriate, and the unidentified official told the newspaper, at worst, it was clearly over the ethical line, and... You know, basically, well, you support the governor. Oh, how many how many vaccines do you need? That's what it sounds like to me. You've got the New York, a New York Assembly Republican moving to take uh, the father's name off the Tappan Zee Bridge, the Mario Cuomo Bridge that bears the last name. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Told you about the allegation by the longtime biographer as it relates to his previous marriage. Cuomo staffers refusing to show up. That's the state of New York. But don't worry. They're getting a huge, big bailout with your money. That's what this is. A, a huge, massive bailout. The package for the COVID, one, $2 trillion, California is going to get $42 billion. New York is going to get $24 billion. Illinois is going to get $13 billion. Why? It's a big blue state bailout. Blue states elect liberal Democrats. Liberal Democrats now pay that money back. That's how much they're going to give. And you know who's going to pay for it? Hardworking Americans in those red states that elect politicians, senators, state legislators, governors that don't raise taxes don't spend beyond their means, balance their budgets, fund their pensions. That's where that money's coming from eventually. Now we got Pelosi kicking off the massive infrastructure debate on top of the new Green Deal debate, on top of how are we ever going to be able to afford any of this. Out in Portland, courthouse has turned back into a fortress after more riots there. It seems like it never ends out there. Uh, we have... <laughs> 
irony of all ironies. So Pelosi on with Stephanopoulos this weekend, defending the decision for the U.S. House of Representatives. Democrats have the majority by 10 votes, whatever it is. And you have a race in Iowa where the race was won by six votes. Not not a big margin. One of those moments where you say, yeah, every single vote matters. And Jim Jordan tweeted out, Speaker Pelosi says she's open to unseating a Republican congresswoman, Miller Meeks. You're only allowed to object to an election if you're a Democrat. Well, this has already been certified, this election. This is already done. I know it's razor thin, but it was, they counted, they recounted. The state certified it in Iowa. And now the House of Representatives is going to get together and try and overturn it anyway. And Democrats now are moving in on Iowa's 2nd District. And Democrats have been talking a lot about the sanctity of election results. We must accept them and we've got to move on. But yet in New York, they're all talking about uh, voting machines all over New York. Democrats were doing it. And in this case, you've already seated the winner in this race. So they basically want to steal the seat from a sitting GOP congresswoman. Every seat, Kevin McCarthy says that they can steal helps them be able to pass the most socialist things that they can. He's right. It's exactly what they're trying to do. I can't get over the price tag of, of these big state bailouts because these states have been fiscally irresponsible. These are high tax states. These are states that have not done a good job for the people of their states. Now, we're going to get into this in more detail later in the program today. 100,000 people apprehended in the month of February at our border. You have anywhere between a 6 and 25% COVID positive, positive rate. If you look at the numbers, they're shocking on every front. I mean, because it's up now dramatically. So you have single adults from, all, and by the way, it's not just Central America, although the CDC says don't travel to Central America. Now, why do we want secure borders? It's not complicated. Number one, we got rid of all those jobs, of all those construction workers at a time in the middle of a pandemic. I'm sure they would have liked to have finished the job. It would have been years worth of work of building the wall that would have, let's see, helped stop opioids from coming into the country, right? Would have stopped human trafficking. He certainly, with wide open borders, okay, a lot of people coming because they want to live in America because of hope and opportunity and a better life for them and their family, but we have a legal process to do that. But then you run into a national security issue, people that do not have good intentions for your town, your city, that have radical associations and ties, well, they can just as easily, you know, walk across the border. You know, so, and, and now we're at a point where if you can believe it, now we've got kids in cages. It's up 60%. You got these images of these kids with these tinfoil, what is a tinfoil blanket? Nobody from the media can get in the char- a cargo shipping containers either or with, with a tiny window with bars on it. That's where they're putting these kids. I mean, the, the increase is just unbelievable. You can't even believe how bad it is. I mean, we have reports out now that the Border Patrol, it's a horror show. We got the images. We've been showing you kids sleeping on the floor. Not enough food for everybody. 
The Blaze had an article about one migrant facility at 729% capacity. Kids are taking turns sleeping on the floor. There's no social distancing. There's no mask wearing. Children said they haven't seen sunlight in days. And ICE is now asking for Americans to help and volunteer. Never mind the fact that U.S. Border Patrol arrested 22 wanted fugitives at the Texas ports of entry. When you look at the number of amnesty numbers, when you when you factor in chain migration, it could be as high as where did I see this? I think it was the American thinker, American conservative. I don't remember as high as 20 million people. If you believe the number of 11 million, although others estimate it's much higher. The Texas attorney general has accused the Biden administration of putting Texans at risk because of the influx of COVID-positive migrants. You see the images we've been showing you with investigative reporting on Hannity every night. There's no social distancing. One Texas town, 25% positivity rate. I mean, but we're all being lectured on wearing our masks every day, even if you have, even if you got the vaccine. Even Nancy Pelosi finally had to admit that, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a crisis down there. And she then tried to blame Donald Trump like Chuck Schumer did last week. For the humanitarian challenge, this is not Donald Trump's problem. Donald Trump didn't put kids in cargo shipping containers. He had the stay in Mexico policy. He wasn't allowed. He had catch. He didn't have catch and release. He eliminated that. He also made it harder for anybody by building over 450 miles a new wall. Just, just smart common sense. Now they. This is a crisis of their own doing. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So we are watching what is clearly, obviously, it's not even something that's in dispute, a crisis at our borders. Even Finally, even Nancy Pelosi had to say, yeah, it's a humanitarian crisis. Why is it? Well, it's because this is Joe Biden's manufactured crisis. He did this. He caused this. You know, the number of kids, by the way, in cages has jumped 60 percent under Joe Biden. Michael Barone's piece in The New York Post. Uh, That's how bad this is. This is now gotten. It is a it's bigger than a humanitarian challenge. It's also a health crisis with the positive cases for covid that are happening there. And it's all because. Joe Biden has signaled to the world, wide open borders, come on in, amnesty's on the way. There was a report of, of from the Border Patrol facilities are this horror show. And now we're seeing images of all these kids sleeping on the floor, going hungry, and it gets worse from there. Uh, we see now a migrant facility, this was in the blaze today, that uh, is at 729% capacity Children taking turns sleeping on the floor. No showers for the kids for days. We have still yet to get a look inside of the cargo shipping containers, you know, with the little tiny window with bars on it that we're told butterflies are painted on the wall. U.S. Border Patrol has arrested 22 wanted fugitives just uh, in Texas alone. I gave you the one town in Texas, 25% positivity rate for covid When you actually look at the numbers as we've extrapolated out in terms of the number of people potentially now that could get amnesty, you know, we're up to 20 million, some even higher, some estimates even higher. The Texas AG has accused 
the Biden administration of putting Texans at risk because of the COVID positive migrants that are coming in. And the word the Biden administration won't use is crisis. It's a crisis. That's what it's just plain, simple, fundamental English. Now, Dr. Roger Marshall is a Kansas senator said the borders are a crisis. He was there this uh, weekend, and uh, this is what he had to say about it. This is a crisis on the border. It is a health care crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. Uh, it is absolutely a national security crisis as well. In this little short stretch, about 30 miles up and down the river, we probably saw 150 uh, people uh, in the process of crossing the border illegally. Mostly family units is what we're seeing. And what we're being told is for every family unit, every person that's turning themselves in, there's probably two others uh, that are getting through the, through the system as well. So so right now they're having about 2,000 people a day cross this border in this 30-mile stretch alone, 2,000 people a day that they're they're catching. So there's probably another 4,000 people that are getting through. Here in the next week or two, it's going to get so hot, people are going to be dying as they're trying to make that trek from Central America up to here and then on through Texas where it'll be just hot and dry, story after story, uh, Border Patrol people telling me of children dying because it's so hot and so dry here as well. Uh, from a healthcare standpoint, they're telling me that every family unit they're seeing, there's at least one communicable disease on average. It might be scabies, it might be tuberculosis, it may be hepatitis, and of course COVID. We're hearing reports as many as one out of four people here they're seeing that's going to have COVID. And then they're bringing them all together into a detention center someplace, into some type of a common sleeping unit, and everybody in that sleeping unit is going to have COVID before it's all said and done as well. Yeah, there's no social distancing and not a whole lot of mask wearing either our own cdc says yeah don't travel to central america right now because of covid uh i one thing that you just heard from dr marshall is oh what about national security reasons somebody might come well they want to come they want a better future for themselves and their family okay that's one reason uh but also uh what if they have radical ties to radical groups uh that want to target american towns and cities and we haven't even mentioned the opioid crisis uh, and the 300 Americans dying each and every week because of that. National security issues are involved. Opioid crisis, drugs, COVID, uh, health issues now. And and here's, you know, circle back Jen Psaki, the press secretary, refusing to call it what it is. I'll ask it again. <laughs> Will he acknowledge that there's a crisis? Well, first, uh, the president and this administration's focus is on digging out of uh, the dismantled and inhumane immigration approach of the last administration. You say that's not a crisis. Well, I think what uh, Ambassador Jacobson and Secretary uh, Mayorkas were conveying and what I've conveyed is it, it doesn't matter what you call it. It is an enormous challenge. We don't feel the need to uh, you know, play games with what it's called. At this point, is this a crisis at the board? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Why has this administration been so reluctant to call it a crisis with the huge uptick in the number of migrants being detained, including thousands of children? If that doesn't qualify as a crisis, what does? Well, because we think that it's most important to explain the substantive policy of what's happening. Now we must remind people that the kids in cages, the cages were built by Biden and Obama. The video that the mob and the media showed in 2018 was from the Biden-Obama era. 
Now we've got kids with no social distancing, literally on the floor with foil blanket. Uh, Dr. Roger Marshall is with us, senator from the state of Kansas, to tell us about his visit to the border uh, yesterday. You put out a press release, I noticed, about apprehension statistics. They're pretty alarming. Sir, welcome to the program, and thanks for uh, joining us. Sean, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, before we circle back to all these issues going on here, just think about the hypocrisy uh, from the Biden administration. They've accused President Trump's policies being inhumane, but their their policies are what's inhumane. Uh, they want us to wear get get a vaccine, wear three masks, and I still can't have the Fourth of July with my parents and my kids and 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 my grandchildren. But we're going to let. Uh, you know, I bet thousands of people cross the border every day with this virus. Maybe it's a, a new mutation. Anyway, the hypocrisy is just driving me crazy. And you pointed out several points already. I think the top issue to me is the one that I, I think you're the only one I've heard that mentions it. And it's always to me about national security first. Now we have real issues involving health security. Then you got the opioid crisis on top of that. Yeah. Then we have no place to house people. So now the whatever whatever percentage of people crossing the border or test positive for COVID, well, now we've gotten rid of, now we've brought back catch and release. Now we stopped building the border wall. Um, so this is a crisis of their own making, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. This, the policies of Joe Biden is what has absolutely created this. You know, speaking with the, the Border Patrol yesterday and then the Texas Highway Patrol, it's just kind of amazing. On January 26th, the Mexican government stopped cooperating with us. You know, what was different on January 26th and January the 25th as well? Uh, you know, from a national security standpoint, Sean, if you don't mind, let's chat about that just a second. Uh, I, I talked about probably 6,000 people are crossing that 30-mile stretch every day. Half of those people are not not from Mexico, and not from Central America. So what type of person uh, wants to come into this country from the Middle East that they have to be smuggled in to pay a smuggler ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to smuggle them across the border? And, and meanwhile, uh, the, the, way, the way the cartel is operating, and by the way, Joe Biden is making the cartel rich. The cartel is making more money by smuggling humans than they did from drugs. And, and all these humans coming across the border are taking all the attention away from the Border Patrol. So the Border Patrol is now a social worker, uh, a medic, a nurse, everything except what they need to be doing. So they're all occupied. And what the cartel does is they dump 20 or 30 people in one spot. They wait for all the Border Patrol to gather there. And then 30 miles down the river, guess what they're doing? Uh, so it, it is a national security issue. I think this is the biggest national security, immediate national security issue we have right now. So we now have illegal crossings up 174% in a year. Uh, the number of unaccompanied children up 61%. Uh, is there any good reason why we're not getting a picture of the kids that are being stored? Can you, and by the way, imagine for a second if Donald J. Trump ever put kids, uh, unaccompanied minors, in a cargo shipping container with a tiny window that has bars on it, and they won't let the media even look inside it, although we are told that butterflies are on the walls of the cargo shipping container. That's what we're putting the kids, cargo shipping containers. Yeah, Sean, and this is the humanitarian crisis. 
Uh, I'm afraid it's even worse than what you're describing. So you're a parent in Central America, and you pay the cartel $3,000 to get your child uh, all the way to America because Joe Biden's invited him there. He said there's open borders, there's amnesty. Uh, get here quickly so you can, uh, so you can have uh, amnesty as well. And at least a third of the children, boys and girls, are being sexually abused. Let, let me just say that one more time. A third of the children are being sexually abused, and a large number of those are being sold into sex trafficking, to human trafficking. Um, this, this is inhumane. The lucky ones are in the detention centers that you're describing. Those are the lucky ones. Um, and I just, I just couldn't think of an inhuma- more inhumane plan than what they have going on right now. So... Um, I, I'm just baffled where this administration thinks they're going with this. Yeah, well, I, I think this is probably very simple. If we want to resolve it, you know, we have what? Catch and release? Uh, no. How about the stay in Mexico policy? Bring that back. Continue border wall construction. We'll keep Americans working in the interim. Um, I, otherwise, with the United Sanctuary States of America, the border had never been more secure than it was. Tom Holman told me that last week when I interviewed him and when he was in charge. This this is now being driven by a uh, this is all a Biden initiative that, that the end result of which is the United Sanctuary States of America open borders for cartels, human traffickers, drug dealers. Uh, and open borders even for people that don't have extreme radical backgrounds and health problems. Well, somebody's going to pay the bill, and I assume it's going to be we, the people. You're right, and of course the the next Biden uh, Pelosi plan is to raise our taxes, and that's what they're working on right now uh, as fast as they can. You know, you can count on the Democrats for a couple of things, to spend a lot of money, to raise your taxes and increase regulations. Um, but this, what they're doing on the border is, is just a crime shame. Uh, you know, that, that, let's talk about the health care just a, a second, if you don't mind. I went down there three years ago, and my concern then, the, again, the doctors, nurses, doing the best job they can, uh, but they were just being overran. In that case, it was tuberculosis and hepatitis. But now it's the COVID virus as well. And then, of course, they bring all the people together together, and having them sleep together for days at a time. Uh, so, you know, the health care crisis is just, just becoming worse and worse as well. All of our the people, the Border Patrol, are now in there trying to get clothing and get food for, for the kids, all those types of things. Just a huge, huge uh, burden on Americans. And I, I just don't know why the, the Biden administration does not admit their mistake and say, look, we bit off more than we can chew on this one. That would be like Andrew Cuomo admitting when they knew 9,000 people were dead in June of last year when he had his executive order in March. Uh, he could have reversed course and said, oh, that was a bad, bad choice. But no, he decided to double down on stupid, cover up what was going on, and then write a book about what a great leader he was. I mean, you get the same type of arrogance and stubbornness. Uh, we really thank you, Dr. Roger Marshall. Appreciate you being with us. It's a, um, it's a, it's a frightening report, but one that I think the American people need to know. And yeah, John, thanks for sharing the story. Thank you. All right, we're going to take calls for the rest of this hour. We have time for one here. Uh, Beth is in the great state of Ohio. Beth, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for um, listening to my questions that I have here. Um, yeah, the great state of Ohio. Um, we're actually called the trafficking hub of the United States because of 70 and 75. And with all the things that uh, Dr. Marshall had mentioned you know, coming in from the border, 
it's just a, it's not just a crisis, it's a disastrous crisis for not just the border states, but for all the states. And especially, you know, um, terrorism, too. I mean, you know, these people coming in, are they being called uh, domestic terrorists? You know, because the administration is basically giving them an open door to our states. Um, so what can states do to join this lawsuit? As I understand that states can still join this lawsuit. What well, just have your aid, just put pressure on your AG to join it. You know, you got to understand you're, you're absolutely right about the corridor that goes right through the great state of Ohio, where you are from. And you do know that drug cartels have specifically targeted towns in Ohio to spread their opioid poison to our kids and, and others. You do know that, right? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, you know, what, you know, Dr. Marshall was talking about how they're bringing people in, but then, you know, so many miles down the way, they're letting other people in, you know, that we have no idea where they're coming from, what country. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's basically a uh, deceptive um, thing that they're doing. It's a diversion. And, and we're going to be the ones that have to pay for that. Well, I'm going to give you your short answer and a homework assignment. Call your AG, call your governor and put pressure on them. There's the answer. Okay. All right, but what I got to run, Beth. Okay. Appreciate yep, the call. Yep. I actually found this to be somewhat fascinating. I don't know what to make of it. Um, I sense this growing aggravation with the fact that Biden's not talking to the media. I mean, he's working so hard just learning how to read a teleprompter that that I guess, you know, one little baby step at a time. He did an 18 minute speech. It was great. He's wrong. He's not struggling cognitively. Oh, I'm supposed to forget every time he's off script. Um, the thing that interested me, though, was even the New York Times, Yahoo News, they're, they're hardly conservative, um, fact-checking Biden's speech. Trump built the hospitals. Trump sent the Navy ship, manned the hospitals, provided all the PPE, all the ventilators, everything. Two months ago, this country didn't have nearly enough vaccine. No, that would be a lie, too. But what's interesting is the media is pointing it out. No, the Trump administration ordered 800 million vaccine doses. 800 million. When I took office 50 days ago, only 8% of Americans after months, 8% over the age of 65 had gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65%. No, the vaccination effort had begun. And by the time Donald Trump left office for the final couple of weeks of his administration, there were a million shots going into people's arms every day. 36 million total. And moreover, the Center for Disease Control recommended people between 65 and 74 get the vaccine after healthcare workers and residents of long-term care facilities and frontline essential workers and people over 75. So there's a lot of misleading things. And they, you know, not once, Mr. Unity, did he ever say, you know, Donald Trump has done a pretty good job here. But if you listen to the mob, the media, for the most part, it was the sycophantic praise. Listen. He is the guy we need right now. I think it was very moving. Um, the president is very good at articulating empathy. And also July 4th. Yeah. You know, right. he, he put that on the calendar as well. So, Backyard barbecue. Right. <laughs> I mean, but these are, you know, it's, it's, I think, very achievable. But I think they're getting more audacious in terms yeah. of their goal setting. Yeah. If you go back and listen to the fireside chats of Franklin Roosevelt, they're wonderful to listen to because they're soothing, they're informational, they're a teaching device in FDR's hands. I thought that's what... 
Biden did last night. Joe Biden and the team around him have have handled this time, these 50 days, remarkably. We look back now and before Jim Clyburn came forward and when he was left for kind of just a has-been on the door and he's sleepy and he's not mentally all there and he's Turbo Joe, he's Mojo Joe. Mojo Joe. That's that's how I describe him as Mojo Joe. I, I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, but it's just a lie. And it's like Democrats didn't lift a finger. They were all out there proclaiming that the Operation Warp Speed, this is a fantasy land. Not going to have a, a, a five year minimum before we get a vaccine. Whether you like vaccines or, or not. And I know a lot of people are skeptical. And I, by the way, I don't mind people that think for themselves and are skeptical. And that want to check with all the medical experts to make an informed medical decision for themselves along with their doctors. Um, I think that's just due diligence on people's part. I wish people would read more about things like this. All right, let's get to our uh, busy telephones here. Let us say hi to Justin. He's in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, Justin, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I am doing great, Mr. Hannity. It's an honor to talk to you again. Last What's going time I on? talked with you. I didn't get to invite you. I hung up the phone, and I heard you and Linda say you wanted to come to a farm. If I would have known that, I would have invited you. But come on out. We're just outside of Charlottesville. I can see James Madison's homeland right beside me. Uh, Wow. That's cool. What kind of farming do you do? We're dairy farming and poultry farming. That's very cool. You know know what the thing is? is I know I'm not complaining about my life in any way, but there are plenty of days I'm like, why don't I just get a farm? Why don't I get a little ranch? Why don't I just, you know, live in the wilderness, immerse myself in God's majesty and nature and watch things grow and watch my corn pop up in rows. Up and in rows. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. And here's the thing, though. I, I hope you do feel good about what you do for a living, because the bottom line is you feed all of us. Now, you feed us relatively inexpensively, too. Um, I always do my own grocery shopping. I get the same question. What are you doing here? I'm like, buying food. What do you think I'm doing here? But, but I buy my own groceries. I, do, I like grocery shopping. And um, I love this. I can't believe the variety and the selection and the choices and the options. It's because you farm, people pack, and truckers truck. And the guys put it on the shelves. And we, get, we are right. the beneficiaries of all of that hard work. And it's hard work. So I just have great admiration for you. Well. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, I look at this new stimulus bill that's coming out here. And uh, first of all, farmers are already the minority. We're 1% of the U.S. population feeding uh, the other 99%. But then on top of that, only 1% of that 1% is the what is called minorities. And this new bill that's coming out to help these farmers, uh, help us, is to me a little bit unfair. Um, I know that the Apostle Paul said, you know, we're all one in Christ. And I know that the rest of the farmers, they're paying the same thing for the products as we are, and they're getting paid the same thing for their milk, for their corn, for their grains. I just don't understand the fairness in promoting. To me, it looks like a racist type of clause. In oh, it's, this it's a form of reparations is what it is. And and we've had that debate many, many times over the years. But to me, you know, I'm grateful. I'm not looking. I'm like you. I believe we're all we're we're all God's children. God made every man, woman, a child. And, you know, for human beings, what is the difference? The distinction is we all have a inclination towards good or evil in our lives. And I think most people are fundamentally good and perfect, but good. 
and striving to be better. I mean, the misinterpretation of Christianity often baffles me. It's sort of like you say you're Christian. Somehow they expect you're supposed to be perfect. I'm like, no, you're admitting you're not perfect and you want to be better. So, but the point is that if you believe that, um, if our farmers are struggling through no fault of their own, i.e. the pandemic, they, I, I think every farmer is is equally important. Um, now, if one particular area of farming got harder hit than another, you might adjust funding for that particular, maybe soybeans, if you're a soybean grower, corn grower, whatever, or, or if you're raising chickens or cattle, whatever that happens to be, um, you might make adjustments based on need, based on who got hit the hardest. But Well, the only um, thing in farming that should be judged on the color of the skin would be potatoes, not so much the people growing it. And something that I just heard here in Virginia, they're talking about, uh, you know, obviously starting the growth of marijuana and legalizing that. But they're putting the um, they're putting the allowances to be made that it's supposed to be grown by uh, farmers of color or women. You can do some more research on that. That was just something that I heard. But well, it was one hundred and twenty percent. We we discussed it last week. I you know what? I'm just grateful to every farmer. I'm not looking Thank at the you. race of the farmer. I'm just grateful that I can go into my grocery store and everything is there because a trucker brought it there. Somebody put it on the shelves and somebody packed it and you guys grew it or you guys raised it. Um, yep. cool. And uh, what time does your day start every day? Four o'clock a.m. A Oh, man, that's and about when I'm going this, to bed. I don't fall asleep before four. Man, that's rough. Time change. It's all daylight. But oh my gosh! Really and well. what time we're, is your day really, done? Well, let me ask my wife. Usually, I come in after dark after she's already made supper for the kids, and uh, wow, you know. <laughs> but um, we did very well under President Trump. We had a nice freedom of open free market, and um, I'd like to have him back. So I want you to talk with him, see if you can get him to move to Wyoming, run for Cheney's spot, become Speaker of the House, then impeach the president and the vice president. And there we go. We got him back. 2022. I've been reading that all over. You know, people sending it to me. Did you see this? Do you think it's possible? It's not going to happen. But uh, let's see what he does in, in 2024. But the one thing that can't change is that America first Make America Great Agenda. That is it. That that that's simple one on one conservatism. Keep it simple, stupid, and meaning keep the principles that politicians are selling us. It's simple. Now go run on it, win on it, and then go implement it. That's what Trump did successfully. All right, back to our busy phones here. Bill in Montana. There's another place I need to go. I need to go. To, what do you think, Linda? You think you could handle like? open air in montana and and cattle first of all and, i love montana let's just start there where the where the buffalo roam antelope i don't know that much about buffalo elk. being a city girl my whole life <laughs> I know, but i love montana i think it's beautiful you, you're like me though you do wear tacovas boots so i love tacovas yeah they're great what's going on bill well sean thanks for taking my call i, I just kind of wanted to lend a, a voice to the thousands and thousands of people that have come into this country legally. Uh, my wife was one of them. Uh, I spent three tours in uh, Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War in uh, Thailand working on EB-66s and F-4s. And wow. I got well, thank you for your there. service. Uh, very welcome. I, I got discharged over there and went to work for a company that uh, was handling the uh, integrated communication systems for Vietnam and Thailand. And at the site that I worked at was this beautiful young Thai lady that uh, we, I eventually married. 
make a long story short. But that's where the nightmare became. It started trying to get her a visa to come to the country. And this is what these people that came here legally had to go through. First off, she had to have a police check. She had to have a medical check. She had to have a TV uh, X-ray to make sure she wasn't bringing tuberculosis into the country. Then we had the affidavit of support that we had to fill out that basically uh, wanted to know everything about my finances, my banking, my job, and so on and so forth. Once all that was done, you filed the paperwork, and then you had to sit there and wait for an uh, interview. Well, we waited for about six months, and I couldn't wait any longer. I had to come back to the States. So I got my uh, congressman involved in it. He sent a telegram to the embassy, and lo and behold, we got an interview. And thank God we finally got a visa for her and brought her home here in uh, 1976. And you've been happily and married ever since, I'm just guessing. Absolutely. Good I have for you. What a great children, story. Uh, one of them's on active duty in the Air Force. Uh, one, do you live in daughter. town in Montana, or do you uh, do you have a little ranch? No, I've got uh, a little place uh, on a pond uh, not too far from uh, the head of uh, Flathead Lake, uh, right here in Big Fork, Montana. Uh, now, when you say little, describe little in terms of acreage. Oh, I've got about an acre and a half. Okay, so you, you live in a community. No, because a lot of people say, well, I have a little tiny ranch, and I'm like, how big is it? Oh, it's only about 10,000 acres. <laughs> I'm like, 10,000 acres? Are you kidding me? It cracks me yeah, up when people say that. that's the east of the mountain. Now, I, I just wanted to bring up two things. First yes, off, sir. Uh, you kind of answered uh, one of the questions uh, as far as getting involved with uh, our local uh, people. And we've, I've got a great senator here, Bob Keenan, and a representative, Mark Nolan, that are doing a banner job trying to protect Montana from the Biden administration, the O-Biden administration. But the uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, 2021 is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And with wide open borders, I mean, they're bringing thousands of pounds of fentanyl into this country. What's the possibility of some ISIS or Al-Qaeda terrorists bringing thousands of pounds of very high into this country? Exactly. And- and what your wife had to go through is what I have proposed. And that is that, listen, we don't, I don't care where anyone comes from. If you want to come to America, I don't blame you. Because we're the greatest country, imperfect as we are, but greatest country God gave man. But Absolutely. I think you should have, we should check for radical ties and associations. I think that now, especially in a COVID era, I think you should have health checks, mandatory. I think you should have to pay for the process. Uh, and lastly, I think you have to prove that you will have the ability to take care of yourself and will not be a burden on the American taxpayers. And if at some point you can no longer take care of yourself, then you have to understand the rules are you'd, you'd have to go home. Yeah. Um, well, that was that's part of the I uh, affidavit of support. The affidavit of support, you had to take a, an oath and have it notarized that you right. would not allow this person to become a ward of the state and accept uh, welfare and free medical and all kinds of government benefits. So, well, those I, those so were different totally times. Now everything's free: free health care, free school. You know, we even incarcerate you, and then we don't hand you over to ICE and send you back to the country you came from after you committed a crime and even spent time in jail. It's exactly. um, it's it's nuts. Yep. Uh, Bill, well, I admire you, you sir. God bless you. God bless your wife. What? Come on up and see us. I'll take you to the brewery, and we get a world-class beer. <laughs> uh, I'm always up for a beer. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. The reason I you know, I say this is, like, when we're having our rough days, everybody has their rough days, right? I'm just like, 
why, why don't I just become a farmer? Why don't I just go? Why don't I become a cattle rancher? Wake up. Why are you why are you laughing in my ear? Why why is that so funny to you? First of all, you're never going to stop talking. So you could be a cattle rancher, but I hope to have a microphone so that you can do the cattle and talk. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload. Glad you're with us. Your call's coming up, final half hour of the program today, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. So we got into this now, and when you thought it couldn't get any nuttier, it's getting nuttier by the day. It's, okay, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, we'll call him just Potato Head, and you think, okay, that's the end of that, right? And then it's Dr. Seuss, Green Eggs and Ham, Hat, cat in the hat, Sam I am, yes I am, Sam I am, I don't like green eggs and ham, whatever. I don't, you know, it's been too long for me. Um, then you've got Dumbo. Then you add to Dumbo, you got Peter Pan. And we're talking about everything, cancel, 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 cancel. It's getting a little scary. Then you got this Grace Church School in NoHo, $57,000, Episcopal Church, private school, in New York City, $57,000. Now, can't say mommy or mom or dad or daddy. Then, of course, Merry Christmas. That's banned. This is, a, this is a supposedly, a, even it's Episcopal, but it's a Christian school. Can't even say happy holidays. You can't even say, hey, where'd you go on your vacation? Did you go anywhere? Can't ask that question either. I mean, it gets absolutely insane. You know, grownups, folks, family guardians, Anything as an alternative to mom, dad, and parents. Caregivers instead of nanny or babysitter or the great word au pair, which is very common in New York City. Families are formed, structured in many ways. Grace Church School uses inclusive language, but, but that's where we're going. Now, if you look at all of the big cities around the country, and you look at all the blue states run by liberal Democrats for decades, where do they fail the most? They fail, well, they're not keeping law and order. They're not offering us safety and security. And we spend more per capita per student than any other country in the industrialized world with the worst results or bang for our buck. We spend the most money and we get the worst results. 37, 40, reading math. To me, school should be simple. I think every kid should be in a uniform. Every kid must behave. If you don't behave, if you're disruptive, you get thrown out of the class. If you get thrown out of the class X number of times, you get suspended. If after the suspension, your behavior doesn't change, you should be out. New York City, you have all these people even accused of, of child sexual assault. And they still get paid and these issues don't get resolved sometimes for years. But you're getting paid to do nothing. Because of teachers' unions, that unholy alliance, as I call it. And so I'm, I'm just looking at this, and I'm saying, this is madness. This is, this is now what we talk about wokeism in this country. Let me play a little bit of a report here on what happened in New York. This is uh, the CBS affiliate, Channel 2 in New York City, on this Grace Church School and their guidelines on inclusive language. Just listen. 
Grace Church School, an independent school in Greenwich Village, prides itself in welcoming students of all faiths or no faith at all. But now it's finding itself facing criticism for encouraging words that promote an inclusive environment, like saying people instead of boys and girls and grown up instead of parent, since not all children are being raised by a mother and or father. One person tweeted Grace Church School in New York should be ashamed of themselves, saying that you can't use the words mom and dad and you're supposed to use folks or family. George Davison is head of Grace Church School. We're not telling people not to call their parents mom and dad. That's the silliest thing anybody ever came up with. And it's not even a, a word police. It, it is rather a guide to inclusive language if you want to use it. Back in September, the school posted this inclusive language guide at the request of teachers and parents who wanted help in making sure their interactions were affirming and uniting. Parents we spoke with say they're supportive of the guidelines and proud the school is also describing best practices for discussing faith, learning differences, and physical disabilities. Like choosing the words physically disabled instead of handicapped. We can't lump people together and, and assume anything about people. And that's at the core of what this is about. Natalie Egan is the founder of Translator, which builds diversity, equity, and inclusion analytic software for schools. She applauds Grace Church's pioneering spirit. As we look to the future, you know, it's really important that we start to, you know, shape our, our future leaders to, to be inclusive of all people, you know, regardless of, of anything. Whoever they are, it is what we're proud of. And Grace Church School hopes to inspire others to unify and not divide. In Greenwich Village, Hazel Sanchez, CBS 2 News. I'll add one point politically to this. If the Republican Party wants to win elections in the future, they want to compete in states that are deep blue. If the conservative movement is to grow even bigger and further beyond America first, beyond make America great, which I can sum up in a minute, as I've done many times in the last number of weeks, I won't do it now. If they can find a way to make blue states and those towns and cities that don't have law in order to instill it and to create safety and security for kids in every every town, every city. If they can then follow that up with a real education, beginning with the fundamentals and the basics, reading, writing, math, computers. you got to be able to use a computer in this day and age, unless you're me. I don't have one. Um, if you can do that, now all of a sudden you can compare and contrast. What have the Democrats done in the last 30 years? They've, they've put politics, they put teachers' unions above kids. Anyway, that's... Uh, and and what do you, why are we even talking about any of this in school? Go to school, learn to read, write, do math, and learn computers, and you can go home. Values should be taught by uh, mom and dad, and whoever your whoever the adult is supervising you. Laura Wellington is with us, teacher, author of "Be Careful What You Wish For." Annie Keller is with us, co-founder, director of curriculum and instruction for. The Locke Society, also New York State certified teacher of social studies, literacy, taught eighth grade social studies in Queens, New York for uh, English language learners and general ed and and so many other great classes. Uh, thank you both for being with us. You're welcome. You're welcome, Sean. Laura, okay. let me let me start with you. Let's talk about. I mean, you've written a couple of articles. I got them here in front of me going over this wokeness and what's going on in these schools. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's very clear to me. I mean, you can't look at schools as wanting to actually educate 
reading, writing, or arithmetic anymore. You know, he who owns the minds of the children owns the future. And um, Democrats want to own the minds of the children, but not to educate them, per se, in the way that we send our kids to school for. They want to educate them in a way that um, creates one mass, one identity, which is why you see um, them pulling um, fundamentals away of respecting parents, respecting patriotism, respecting God, and they want them to all think in one way. And the reason why they want them to do that is, one, they want to initiate this confusion, Sean. They don't want, they, they want to have their uh, exterior influence, which is a harmful influence, take over where the parents should be. And that's why they diminish parents in education. That's why they, they tear kids away from their parents is so young, two years old going to preschool, three years old going to preschool, mandatory school in one way. And the lessons they're not they're teaching aren't the lessons that are going to prepare them for life. In fact, they take those lessons out of the curriculum. It's the lesson that they want to learn where we are one voice, we're one thought, and we're going to do it this way. And if you don't do, do it this way, you're, consider, you're an outcast. That's the problem. Most outcasts, perhaps, are the visionaries. They're the entrepreneurs of the future. They are going to be the disruptors. They do not want the disruptors. That is happening in education, and that is happening in entertainment. And this is a huge issue going forward because they're working towards communism. They're not working towards individualism. They're not working on behalf of the family. They're not working on behalf of the child. They're working on behalf of an agenda. They are either going to force you to join that side through power or money, or they're going to get rid of you. And that's what is happening. Mm -hmm. Annie, you know, there was a landmark study when Ronald Reagan was president. It's called The Nation at Risk. And the study concludes that what has has been done to the uh, educational system in America, were it done by any outside entity or force, would be tantamount to an act of war. That's how bad and broken our school system was then. It's even worse today. Now, you did notice in my list, Annie, that I did say reading, writing, math, and computers. I never mentioned history. Um, more, I know parents now that are forming their own study groups to teach kids history as it has historically been, that it's historically accurate, number one, doesn't have any political bias in it because they just feel the school system just is impossible to fix. Well, um, Sean, thank you for having me on, first of all. But uh, So I was a history teacher in New York City, and I'm a conservative teacher, and I had success keeping the radical ideology out of my classroom, just myself as a conservative teacher. Um, having that presence there is what we need to stop the radical ideology from infiltrating our classrooms. And I know that Some people do the what-ifs and the buts, but you have the curriculum, but you have the teachers' unions, but you have evaluations. I dealt with all of that as a teacher, and it's okay. You just have to be creative. Um, You just have to get yourself uh, set up so that you can keep that radical ideology out of the classroom. And 
I say you're kind of, you're the shield to your students. The only thing, this is the only solution to keeping the radical left out of the classrooms is the teacher. You are the shield to the students. You stand in the doorway. I like to use like a visual. You stand in the doorway and you say, you can say whatever you want to me. You want to do your trainings on anti-racist, anti-racist trainings, white privilege, white supremacy. You want your 1619 project. Everything you want to talk about, you can talk about out there, but it stops at this doorway. And you don't you dare talk to my kids about whatever it is you are talking about out there. I kept my kids safe from this radical ideology, and that includes their mental health. Anything that was going to threaten their mental health, which is what they're doing now, that was kept out of the classroom. And I, I'm not, so I'm not going to brag over here, but I did get promoted to curriculum writer, and I had my eighth grade department kind of under my leadership of what goes into the classroom or not. But even still, I still don't know exactly what my teachers brought into their classroom because I wasn't there with them. There's so much power in the hands of the teacher that people don't realize. And that's why with part of the law society, what we're doing is we're getting, we want to get conservatives and moderate teachers into the classroom. You have more control than you think you do. And there's a lot of teachers, again, who, who are deterred from going into teaching because of just how bad it's gotten and just how corrupt it's been from the radical left. But we can do this because I did it myself. You know, one of the things I, I have this idea that I've been building in my own brain, and I've not heard anyone else talk about it. If they have, it's news to me. Um, knowing now what we've learned post-COVID, Teleworking is the future. Telemedicine is the future. Teleeducation is the future. In my opinion, the federal government ought to create a program. Use the money that we're already, the, the, the billions of dollars we're wasting on, on school systems. And we ought to build out reading, writing, math, computers. We ought to, a whole education curriculum that if parents follow perhaps supplemental to whatever school the kid is going to or perhaps even as a homeschool effort although i like i like i prefer entrepreneurship in that area but for parents that don't feel that their kids are getting the proper education in whatever city town they live in that if the parent or an older adult or someone that just cares a neighbor whatever loved one grandma grandpa that they would if they, they got a kid when that kid was headed to preschool and kindergarten, and if they followed the year's curriculum and all the classes are online, accessible, all the work papers you just print out, I, I and everybody had free access to it, then, you know, you can guarantee your kid's going to compete to get a 15, 1600 on their SATs. Would that work, Laura? We only have a few seconds here. I, I don't believe it'll work, and I'll tell you why. It's a great addition to, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, let's, let's get to this question on the other side. Quick break, we'll come back. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. And as we continue our final moments with Laura Wellington and Annie Keller, your calls are next. I, you disagree with me, Annie, on remote learning. I want to know why, and but we only have about a minute. Um, for remote learning, I just... Uh... It could have its benefits if you have a student who's out from medical leave. We've actually had students zoom in years before COVID who've been out on medical leave and it's worked. Sports uh, competitions leaving the country for and whatnot. But what I think of when I think of remote learning is I think of the kids who go to school as 
that's their home, that's their refuge, that's their safe place, and their teachers are the ones who they tell that they need the basketball team because they don't have that at home. Some of these kids have these home lives that are just absolutely devastating, and to think of them not having that outlet of school to go to, um, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Well, maybe I didn't explain it well, because what I was saying is it needs to be, if your system is failing your child or your grandchild, it would be there supplemental if you needed it on any level. Does that make sense? You would still have counselors and things to go to. If your school system's failing your child, you have an alternative. Oh, uh... I'll tell you what, we'll have you back one day. We'll talk about it, okay? But I appreciate you being with us. All Um, right, thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Laura Wellington and Annie Keller. Quick break. Your call's on the other side. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Maybe I didn't explain it well. and We were kind of rushed in the last segment. Um, As it relates to if the government, because we spend literally billions and billions on education and i'm saying to conservatives you solve the issues of law order safety security and failed educational systems just by providing a curriculum in other words you only have to make it once and it's it would be valid for years and years and years you get a huge bang for your buck now you're you're in a broken public educational system and you're a grandparent or you're a neighbor uh, or you're a parent or a sibling, whatever, and you ju- you see that, that your child is getting an inferior education. Now, you stay at school, kid goes to school, but you also spend an hour a day maybe, especially in the younger school years, maybe two when they get older, and you make sure that whatever whatever gaps in the educational system exist if you follow the curriculum, the high standard curriculum that I'm talking about, reading, writing, math, computers, that your kid is going to excel. And that your kid, again, assuming no learning disabilities or anything like that, that would, and you could even factor in how to, how to help kids that are in need there too. You'd up just the option. Okay, they're not teaching my kid to read. I better do it. Okay, here's a system. You sign up, it's free, boom because you're spending all that money already and most of it is being wasted because of the unholy alliance with teachers unions and Demo- and the democratic party. Uh, all right, let's get to our phones. Uh, all right, let's go to Paul. He's in Pennsylvania. Paul, you're on the Sean Hannity show. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Uh, just quite a question for you about this uh, Cuomo thing. Uh, kind of confused about how, how comrade Harris just walked off the stage when she was being asked about questions and, why can't you just be up straightforward with the whole situation with that? Because it is just flagrant, typical, yet predictable, outright hypocrisy. It's not. I mean, this is not hard to figure out. Russia no. interference only matters if your name's Donald Trump, not Hillary's dirty Russian mis- misinformation dossier. You know, process yeah. crimes don't matter when it's high-ranking members of the deep state, but it matters to Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. And 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 Papadopoulos and others. And and Sean, how about how about with how about with Biden with the handlers and everything like that? You know he's cognitively messed up. You know he's probably got dementia or something like that. Here's the here's the main the major problem for me. He doesn't answer any questions. He won't. He's in bed by two o'clock. He's getting up for he's, he goes to bed at two o'clock. Early bird special eats dinner. Then he's in, then he goes back to bed for a nap. Then he's back to bed again and. Nothing's getting wrong. Donald Trump did not stop 
This guy I, I, I know for a fact that that last statement is true. Look, I don't know what Biden's schedule is, but they have had articles bragging. He likes to get up into the residence at 7 p.m. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have too many sources, and what I'm hearing, none of it is any good. And in, remember during the, the whole Russia, 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 and I, I'd ask some of the guests like Devin Nunes or Mark Meadows or Jim Jordan or others, Am I over the target and say, yeah, you're over the target if it was information they couldn't confirm? Yes. And I would say, yeah, there's something going on here. I don't make a medical diagnosis. I'm not qualified to do so, but I'm just my own personal observations. It's not hard to see when you compare Joe from 2012, 2016 to today, there is a significant cognitive decline in my view. And, and Sean, real quick, the funny thing about it is if you look at the pictures they take when they put him on TV, on CNN, all the fake news stations, they're all pictures from like eight, six, seven years ago. Every picture is a different is a picture of him. If they the, the pictures that they take when he's live on TV, he looks like an old dementia patient. Then then you see him, he's all cheery and chipper. So that was all pushed back too. That just looks checked point. out and weak and frail. You know, it's funny you say that about the picture thing. Like, the, the last time I was stupid enough to do an interview with the New York Times Sunday magazine, and then they put me on the cover of their magazine. And so the guy probably took a thousand pictures. And the way they, they said, well, look at these pictures. I They knew I liked tennis, uh, and they were amazing, actually, of Serena Williams. And right. they did a beautiful job. Um, really amazing pictures. And so this guy, I sit down, and I, they, t- they have me literally with my mouth open, screaming, looking like a lunatic. And it's like, you took a thousand pictures. They do it on purpose. <laughs> so the, the manipulation of pictures is something that happens regularly. You're right about that. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, Jonathan, liberal Montana. How's there a liberal in Montana? What's going on with you, Jonathan? A liberal in Montana. Oh, I'm not necessarily a liberal. I just kind of listen to both sides and choose what's best for my state and for my family. Hey, uh, I'm also a 31-year science teacher. So, you know, you were talking about free access and and letting uh, kids have an hour or so of a nationally funded program. I think that's a great idea. But I live in Montana, and right now we're struggling just to get laptops and computers, you know, out to all the, the people, you know, even the vaccines in these rural areas. So that is an issue. But the reason I'm calling is because you were talking about socialism, and it leads to slippery slope down to Marx's capital, uh, communism. So I guess my question is this. You claim that socialism is so bad, and yet it seems right now with all of the failing capitalists, and all the failing companies and farmers and families, it seems that right now socialism is bailing out all the failed capitalists. And I'd like to know what your take on that. Do we need some socialism? Well, you're, well I assume you're defining capitalism as this like $2 trillion boondoggle bailout of blue states. Uh, the, quote, emergency funding COVID bill, with which only 9% of the monies actually go for emergency COVID relief, and the rest of it is bailing out well, states that are blue states run by blue state governors for decades and that have adopted high tax, big spending, um, budget well, busting. You know, you, 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 
you got to look at Montana, though. Montana is not a blue state, and we're not a very liberal state. What's happening is our farmers are struggling, and our small businesses are struggling. And without the stimulus that's actually our tax dollars put together and then socially sent out, um, I don't know that a lot of farmers could could survive. Well, and we're talking about two is, extremely part, different things here. You're dealing with a, a once in a hundred year pandemic, so it's not. It, it is. It's sort of like uh, if the, when the tsunami hit. Americans rise to the occasion. When Katrina happens, we rise to the occasion. When 9-11 happens, we rise to the occasion. And we, we help others out in a real moment of real need. We, we do have the ability to do that. This would be otherwise temporary, and, and then free markets would make the, the, the final determination. Look, um, I'd urge you to you know go to the library if you can find it. I don't want you to have to pay for it, but Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink, which I wrote before this recent election, and I have a whole chapter on this very topic, and that is socialism and its history of failure. All of these promises, you know, let, let's go through a quick checklist here. Do you think most Can I blues... add one thing? Go ahead. Okay, you're talking about hurricanes and things. Uh, the reason that my uncle's beans were sitting in piles wasting was because the market had failed because our last president decided to uh, get into a fight with China. We couldn't sell the beans. That's not a hurricane. That's politics. And without the socialism, without the money coming in, our farm's gone. No, actually, just the opposite occurred. If you look at the president's deal with China for the first time, it was helping out dairy farmers and other farmers, uh, dairy farmers, for example, in the state of Wisconsin. It was helping out farmers all across the country because it was China that created uh trade barriers with the u.s that prevented our products from being sold in their markets and that wasn't free and fair trade and donald trump was trying to finish the deal but part one of the deal actually resulted in our farmers doing better well let, let's go through a checklist our, you know you you want, you want socialists so the new green deal is socialism no it's, no no excuse me i do not want socialism what i want you to do okay. is to admit Okay, I already gave you my answer. There's a difference between helping people out post-pandemic, the worst worst pandemics in a hundred years, temporarily versus free versus excuse me, excuse me, relax. Versus free market capitalism. Now, here's my argument to you. Obamacare promised three specific things. Do you remember what they were? You get to keep your doctor, sure. keep your plan, and, and the average American family is going to save $2,500 per year per family. Remember those promises? Those were the same talking points we've had for four years, five okay. years now. Yes, uh, Jonathan, I remember those. You do, yeah. Well, millions of Americans lost their doctor. Millions lost their plans. And we're all, on average, paying over 200% more. Now, let me give you a, another point. Again, government promise. Um isn't it the government's job to educate our kids? If Absolutely. you look at these, the if you look job. at the bluest of blue states run by liberal Democrats for decades, the biggest blue cities run by liberal Democrats for decades, we spend more per capita per, on, per student on education than any other country in the industrialized world, and we come in anywhere between 37th and 40th in terms of results. There's your socialism. Let me give you another okay. example. Isn't it the fundamental job of a government to keep people safe and secure? How are they doing in Portland, Los Angeles, Seattle, Illinois, Chicago, New York, New York City? How is government doing, again, socialism, if you will, if you want to use that word, but we're paying for the services. How are they doing? How would you grade law and order and safety and security, again, in blue states, liberal cities? 
I disagree with all of it. I think it's disgusting. I think it's a crime. I think they should be arrested. But without socialism, we can't fix our roads and pay. Well, hold on a second. We are giving we are now handing over to government the responsibility to educate our kids, keep us safe. And, and we're guaranteed a health care plan under Obamacare and the Obamacare exchange. And none of those promises were kept. Now, the new Green Deal calls for what? Guaranteed early education, uh, loan forgiveness, uh, a guaranteed job at a guaranteed wage, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed health care. It's going to guarantee retirement, guarantee, guarantee, guarantee. Now, the, fa- the failure of liberalism and socialism has been the promises sound grand. But when you always look at the end results, whatever name, whatever manifestation, you end up with unfulfilled promises, more poverty, and then you give up freedom in exchange for what turned out to be false security. That's the history of the failure of socialism. May, May I add one more comment? And this is from my students. This is from some students in Montana. Are you ready, Sean? I'm sitting down. Can't wait. Why do you call all of the people that you disagree with? A name? Why are you stooping to being five by saying, "Oh, oh, crazy, oh," or "lying Ted" or "Sleepy Joe"? Is it is it for ratings or is it because it just that's how you are? I don't know. Well, I don't say "lying Ted" and I don't say "Sleepy Joe." I say the weak, frail, cognitively struggling Joe Biden. Do you think Joe Biden? Have you noticed these videos? I have videos. Have you videos of you saying "lying Ted" and "Sleepy Joe"? Sorry, you said it. Well, okay. (laughs) Was it? Were they words that I was using to describe? No. Was it part of a news story? Donald Trump said "lying Ted." No, I didn't use those. Those were the president's terms for them. Did I mention them ever? Yes. I mentioned them in the context of news. Now, you you know, you, you want to jump all over the map here, but I totally decimated your belief in government and socialism because government and socialism, we've handed over the responsibility for education, law and order and health care to government and they failed. And I'll add two other things. Medicare and Social Security are going broke. Why do you put your faith in the promises of the Green New Deal? And why are you willing to double down on a government promise that is never going to be fulfilled? When are you going to learn your lesson? I am not going to put my faith in the Green New Deal. But both of my my parents are on Social Security. My uh, family's also using Obamacare just to get the medical needs they can. So there's two examples. So no, I'm I'm not with the Green Dude, Neil. I am not. I'm you're, you're clumping me in with the people that you call names. I am okay. I'm not a liberal from Montana. Okay, I'm a conservative. More Jonathan, you're jumping all over the map because your original comments about socialism are, are predicated on a one unique circumstance, one time crisis that we're going to get out of. There's never been a, I'll say this last word. There's never been a, a governmental system based on natural law that rights come from God, not from man that has created more wealth, more opportunity, more success than capitalism. It is, it, it, it literally lends itself to the belief that there is talent in every human being put there by God. And that's America. That's what's made America unique, great, and successful. And we'll always continue as long as we continue that. But I appreciate the call. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Big Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox. Yeah, the latest crisis at the border. It is a crisis. The package that allows some farmers to get more than other farmers, as you now have the issue of race factoring into farming. 
Uh, Leo Terrell will weigh in, Dan Bongino, Ari Fleischer, Dana Lash, Newt Gingrich, Kaylee McEnany. We hope you'll set your DVR at 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox. We'll see you tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow. And as always, thank you for being with us. 